Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. March Madness is upon us. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and highlights, and is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. We are glad to be with you today. Always appreciate you listening in. Today we have a very special guest for this is episode 14 of season three. And this is Monday, April 5th, 2021. And our very special guest is Wally Crittenden. And he is the assistant athletic director for ticketing and business development at Stephen F. Austin University in Nacogdoches, Texas. And hopefully I got that correct. But Yeah, man, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Wally. And uh, Wally is such a great guy, and he's agreed to come on the show. And just a couple of highlights about Wally that I want to I wanna mention to you, so to our listeners out there. So again, as I mentioned, he's the Assistant Athletic Director for Ticketing and Business Development. He was formerly uh, the head coach for, uh, the, uh, for, the, for the soccer team there. And, um, and then obviously, uh, just a little background on Stephen F. Austin University. They play in the Southland Conference, which includes Abilene Christian University, which just had somewhat of a Cinderella run in beating uh, the University of Texas at Austin. And they also played UCLA. But the Lady Jacks basketball team actually won the uh, championship for the Southland Conference. And the great thing about Wally, in addition to um, all the other things that he's got going on and some of his some of his many successes that he's had uh, in sport management is that Stephen F. Austin University is the first university to release an NFT, which is sort of all the craze now, uh, the non-fungible token, uh, if you will. And uh, they released one, and but they also had a really, really cool way in how they released it. And, and it wasn't necessarily for profit. It was just, uh, you know, really to be a part of history. And I'll let Wally kind of explain how they went about it. But Wally, really appreciate you being here, and um, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeremy. No, I'm, I'm, I was excited to get the invite. I've followed you uh, for a while now and enjoy your content, and uh, I think I think it'll be a great conversation. No, thanks so much. So, Wally's got a great background. He's got a, a master's in education from the University of Nebraska. He's got his bachelor's of education in sport management from Florida International University, both great schools, and then you got a PhD too, Wally, or? I, I don't, I don't. I started that PhD um, here at Stephen F. And uh, just with, with all the demands from COVID this past fall, put that on hold. Uh, but all intentions are to, to continue that on uh, when it makes sense, for sure. No, that's great. And it's, I mean, it's just such a great university. It's so funny. It's like, for being a smaller school, I've heard of you guys, I think, 
um, the name alone, I think is just a great name. Right. And it's, I always love basketball season because you really get to see a bigger picture of the country. Right. No, no and, doubt. And it's like, you know, you get your Oral Roberts and, and your Stephen F. Austin's like, these are to me, I, I just love it. And of course, um, I love that. I love the name of the women's basketball team and the women's sports and the lady jacks. I mean, it's just such a great name, right? It is. I tell you, you know, Stephen F has a, has a, a great tradition, a great athletic community um, around that, that really supports our jacks, whether they're on the court or on the field. And, um, you know, our lady Jack basketball program is, has been a historical contender um, at the highest levels of division one, got a great coaching tree uh, that extends out to, to many power five programs to this day. And uh, obviously our men's basketball program has had, um, you know, decades of success, um, you know, with the coaches that have come through and done a great job there. But, you know, as you, as you look across the athletic department as a whole, uh, and, and I don't, I don't want to mention them all because I'll leave someone out, but, you know, our track and field program is fantastic. Our soccer program has been, been doing really, really good things. Volleyball uh, is always, uh, you know, at the top of the league competing. So, um, you know, as we position ourselves for, for this great move into the WAC um, next year, I think it's uh, a lot of really good things coming together at the right time. That's so great, Wally. Um... You know, one of the things I, I, one of the questions I love to ask because I'm always fascinated and I know that um, the listeners are always fascinated is maybe a little bit of your background. You know, how did you get your start in sports? Was it a passion of yours? Did you grow up playing, you know, a sport and sort of um, maybe talk a bit about some of the work that you're doing now at, uh, at Stephen F. Austin? Sure. So from a background standpoint, grew up in Texas and Houston, um, played competitive soccer, uh, you know, went, was fortunate to play at a pretty high level, um, went and played, continued that career down at Florida International University down in Miami. Uh, great experience, great program, great department, doing really good things. Uh, came back to Texas and, and actually began as a high school English teacher uh, for a couple of years and uh, really enjoyed that. And uh, then at that point began the coaching uh kind of movement where we uh, started in Oklahoma as the assistant coach for the soccer program there, moved up to Nebraska where I got my master's degree and was able to be a part of some pretty innovative uh, programming there, um, you know, with relates related to the uh, Nebraska sports Institute, um, which we're, we're proud of uh, and then moved down to, to college station and was an assistant there and then uh, got the head job opportunity here at Stephen F. Uh, back in, two, I think it was January 2013, if I'm not mistaken, and um, have been here ever since and uh, have have enjoyed every every minute of it. Oh, that's great. Um, and then with your current role, you know, at Stephen F. Austin University with regard to being an assistant AD for ticketing and business development, what, is, uh, what does that look like uh, for you there at the university? That's a great challenge. Um, you know, the opportunity presented and, you know, really for the last five years or so, uh, I've kind of been you know, drifting towards the administrative side of things. I've enjoyed coaching and, um, you know, been a part of some very good teams uh, that have had good seasons and, and done some great things, worked with some great athletes. But 
it just I had to I had a natural draw to the administration side because of the ability to impact things at a greater scale, right? And um, an opportunity opened up, uh, and it just it just fits. The timing just fit uh, for me to slide into this role, and the challenge was one to help rebuild and grow and and you know really uh, optimize our, our ticketing platform that we have here and, and move into a mobile ticketing direction which was a great challenge and, and that was a bunch of fun uh, and and so now the the goal is from a business development from a non-traditional revenue generation uh, opportunities uh, from a licensing opportunities you know what what can we do you know can we think critically can we be creative? And identifying and creating these new revenue streams, and so that's where a lot of a lot of my efforts and energies are now, uh, along with making sure that our ticketing platform, you know, is is still performing at a high level. Well, that's great. And then, of course, um, you know, uh, Wally, you're a humble guy, but I'll, I'll brag a little bit for you. So, 2013, 14, and 15, you were the Southland uh, or South Southland Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, and then also in 2012, you were you received the Nebraska Young Alumni Award. So, um, congrats to you on those. And I think it clearly just highlights your ability and some of the really cool things that you guys are doing. And then, of course, now you're you're a part of the uh, and the head of the um, the Sports Institute there, right, as well at the university. Yeah. So, so what we created here, and I appreciate the kind words. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to work with some really, really special mentors uh, and some people that set great examples uh, currently here. But, you know, one of one of, I think, the greatest influences I had was being around the University of Nebraska Athletic Department when uh, Coach Osborne came back. Um, that was a very, very influential time, you know, on me as an administrator and uh, certainly um, you know, what Coach Osborne modeled and, and the way that he did things set a great example. So, um, you know, when, when, when we were up at Nebraska, we started the Nebraska Sports Institute, myself and, and four other guys who were very talented. And um, it was a, a core component of our master's program. And basically it made the argument that, you know, with 100, 150 plus million dollar budgets, you know, athletic departments really needed to get to a position where they created in-house research and development divisions so that any innovation that's on campus that leverages athletic facilities, that leverages uh, athletes as population groups, um, any affiliate agreements that are established with third-party entities that, that, you know, that are connected to the athletic department in a way, um, any cross-departmental revenue sharing due to grant writing uh, that is awarded, again, to study our population group within the athletic department, there needed to be a structure in place because I felt that there were revenues that, that were being lost. Um, and I think if you look at overall research and development budgets um, for campus, campus-wide departments, uh, many of those research and development budgets do not include the athletic department, but many times those studies do involve athletes, administrators, and that uh, really special population group, which is an elite athlete, um, you know, people, people want them to be a part of what they're doing. And so we did that in Nebraska and uh, was able to, to come down here. And in 2014, started the Lumberjack Sports Institute. And uh, that's something I've been leading, you know, ever since. And 
Um, you know, it's, uh, we offer a youth leadership institute to our community members. Uh, certainly this past 12 months, it, that's been put on hold a bit. Um, but uh, along with that, we, we want to make sure that uh, any research requests, any access to athletes, anytime there's a survey or something that may even get approved on campus, you know, we still want to get athletic department eyes on it to make sure that it fits the right time period based on, you know, are our coaches heading into postseason? Are they going into preseason? Uh, or is it a great time for research participation in the offseason? Um, and so those are some of the things that the Institute does. And then, you know, kind of some of the more exper experimental topics like tokenization and things like that, we're able to kind of insulate uh, risk and, and kind of separate ourselves from the athletic department uh, to experiment and try things that perhaps we couldn't do um, if we were, you know, under athletic department walls, if you will. Right. Right. Which, which brings up a really good point. Cause I noticed that um, first of all, the, I love the, the branding with regard to the university, uh, the sort of the, uh, the, the purple coloring, which, I mean, it's a beautiful campus. Um, it is. The, the 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 purple flowers the purple coloring of the of the branding the and it's interesting too because the name uh, you know where the city is it's uh, sort of southeast of Dallas and kind of northeast of Houston the name and it's so funny to me like I've been to Louisiana so many times but the name reminds me of a town in Louisiana like you know and it's probably because it's so close to the border right it seems like a a street name you'd see in Louisiana. <laughs> well, know. I'll tell you, you know, Natchitoches, if that may be what you're referring to in Louisiana, but so, so there's history there. Um, and we have a rivalry uh, in Chief Caddo. Um, and the story goes that the uh, chief had had two sons and sent one son to Natchitoches and one son to Natchitoches. And that's how that rivalry began. And that's how uh, kind of that geographical rivalry just continues to live through is, is for the battle of the chief. So there is a bit of history there. Oh, I love it. Yeah. As soon as I saw the name too, I was like, Oh my gosh, it reminds me of like a street name or a school name. And, uh, sure. And of course it makes sense too, cause they're so close to each other. You know, you're what the, the city is. I mean, I mean, maybe 20, 30 minutes from the border of Louisiana. Is it pretty uh, close? A little, little, little further than that, depending on where you go. I mean, for instance, uh, you got great outdoors, fishing, and recreation in Toledo Bend. Probably call it a good solid hour, hour and a half. Um, and so it just depends on what part of the border you go, but you're typically looking at about an hour, hour and a half. Wow. Okay. And then um, the university, just real quick before we get into, I want to talk about the, um, the, uh, the SFA athletic token program that you guys have, and then we'll get into NFT. Sure. But um, – What's the history of the university? Uh, Stephen F. Austin, is this like, um, like, can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. No, it's uh, from, a, from an independent uh -huh. institution. So we're not part of any other, um, you know, system, if you will. Um, so we, we do take a lot of pride in the fact that we're an independent institution. Um, we are set here in Nacogdoches, which is the, the oldest town in Texas. Um, we do take pride in that. And, uh, you know, from an athletic standpoint, from an institutional standpoint, being a, a teacher's college, uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, that, that has been what, what Stephen F has kind of hung their hat on, um, you know, in, in the past and, uh, where we're heading now with our, our 
improvements in, in infrastructure for, for STEM uh, research. Um, we've got some amazing facilities and making some great headway in programming along the STEM lines. Um, we just launched a new aviation program. And so we really, you know, with regards to the Lumberjack Sports Institute, you know, one of the taglines is we really want to be the sports hub of all of East Texas, right? And so Stephen F. as an institution really takes a lot of pride in access, community development, and really disseminating information into our deep East Texas and regional community. Uh, and so uh, it's, a, it's a great place to, to live. It's a great place to grow up. And, um, you know, it's, we're, we're doing a lot of good things. That's so cool. Um, so let's take a quick, Wally, if you don't mind, take a quick commercial break. And then uh, we'll be right back. We'll talk about the token um, system at uh, SFA. And then we'll talk about the NFT and get into some really exciting stuff. Okay. Thanks, Wally. I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to grab the pair you've been looking for. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. It also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell or trade in your latest collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. All right, Wally, we're back. And it's funny, um, going through that last commercial reminded me a lot of NFTs and uh, sure. <laughs> with the verification process and everything else. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. But um, so let's start with, let's talk a little bit about the SFA athletic token system. I think this is fantastic. Uh, and, and I think this is something that not a lot of other schools are doing. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what that program is? Sure. Sure. So in the early Early spring, um, late, I guess late winter is, is another way to call it of 2018-2018. You know, I began to kind of get into this, um, you know, the crypto space, not just from an investment standpoint, which I had been in uh, a little bit earlier, um, got in really about 2015 from an investment standpoint, but from a from a utility standpoint and from a technology standpoint, and how can this technology impact, um, you know, stop gaps and fulfillment and friction points, pain points that we have within intercollegiate athletics. And so uh, what we did is we began by uh, in the spring of, of 18 downloading um, and working with, you know, some key constituents here that we trust that we want, you know, direct and honest feedback with that would enjoy being a part of a pilot. Right. And, uh, we, we had third-party wallets and we, we sat in venue. We sat, uh, some of these trials took place out at youth soccer fields because I think there's applications uh, beyond uh, college athletics. Um, and we began to kind of send and receive tokens and kind of get feedback on the utility and if, if they would want to participate with this. And then the feedback we got was really, really positive. 
Uh, it was more questions of how it would look. And, you know, really at, at that time, the, uh, the, the big, the big thing was, can we brand it? Right. And so that led to us creating uh, two tokens, the SFA athletics token and the SFA golden Jack token. And the SFA athletics token was still part of that pilot and trial. Um, it's still live today. Uh, the program is not contracted with the university as of yet. Uh, you know, there's a lot of considerations that any uh, institution, you know, must make before, before contracting that. But from a pilot standpoint, the pilot went really well. Um, the SFA athletics token uh, allowed for that branded experience in wallet. The SFA Golden Jack allowed for us to distribute special tokens for really premium benefits. And we've got, we've got ideas on where we want to go with that. But then the next challenge was, and this is just early on, you know, in, in, in the crypto space as a whole. And so, so people are looking at things in different ways and everyone has their own perspective, which is great. But from, from my perspective, you know, a lot of times you get these tokens in your wallets that you have nothing to do with. You don't want to see, um, you know, the equivalent of spam mail, right? And so for me, as an administrator, looking at the ability to replicate this, to scale it out, to execute, and to grow a fan, a fan experience as opposed to diminish equity that has been built with our fans, we had to get rid of that. We had to figure out a way. And the way was to be the first fan app that included a blockchain-based token wallet. And so my company, Modern Sports Group, um, we began a year and a half ago or so, and uh, we now uh, have launched two, and, and, and the fan block will have its own app, and it actually is in beta right now, uh, where, and, and it's more of a private beta. It's, um, it's moved out of alpha, but uh, we haven't we haven't invited public guests just yet. But uh, and so what that allows for is a branded fan app quality experience. You know, so your light shows, your social feeds, your push notifications, your branding, everything that you would come to expect with a brand management tool, which is a fan app. But it also includes a wallet that we have built into that functionality, so it allows our fans to only see that institution's tokens because we basically whitelisted them so that no other spam tokens can show up. And so that, that was really good. You know, we actually have that in place right now, the boys and girls club of deep East Texas, which really is a decentralized organization. And the fact that yes, they have kind of a, a central operating hub, but each, each separate division, which there are six that account for over 3000 families um, are spread about all across deep East Texas. And, the, they're one of our clients, and then we have our, our local soccer club um, that is that is one of our kind of beta clients, our pilot clients, if you will. And um, and there's all kind of reasons for those tokens. You know, I'll, I'll just give you before we get to the NFTs. You know, one use case that I think is the most powerful. Right? Is it's not a question of can you Venmo someone? Sure. It's not a question of can you send money other ways? The question is for me, what can we do in a branded environment? And two, how can we ensure the integrity of the intent of that transaction? So Jeremy, if I give you $10 in Venmo, you know, if you reach out to me at 10 o'clock at night, like some of our young people do mm -hmm. and say, hey, I can't eat, 
you know, can you give me 10 bucks to go get something to eat? Well, Jeremy, I could, I can Venmo you $10, but I don't know if you're going to use that $10 to go get something to eat, or you're going to go to the street corner. Right. When, when we tokenize this and part of our tokenization is that our sponsors, which Chick-fil-A is the sponsor of both the first two apps, you can download them in the app store and see that. But so 25 tokens gets you a Chick-fil-A sandwich right now here in Nacogdoches. And so if I send you 25 tokens there, you're not going to be able to redeem that on the street corner, but you are going to be able to redeem that at Chick-fil-A. So it helps ensure the integrity uh, of the intent. And that's powerful. I mean, that is really powerful, a tool for social change and to help communities improve. Um, and that's just, just one use case. Wow. No, I love that. I love how you walked me through that too. And the listeners as well, because I just, I learned a, a lot just from going through that with you. And, you know, it's interesting looking at the NFT, the non-fungible token things that are sort of the, the highlight of all sports right now, you know, and, and, uh, was it uh, rapper Ja Rule just released a NFT the other day, a piece of art that he put together and sold it for $220,000. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, so can you kind of walk us through a little bit like what is it, what is an NFT in the sports side? And then how did, how did Stephen F. Austin University and particularly the Lady Jacks really come forward with this NFT and, and what, and what does that look like? Sure. So from an NFT standpoint, um, it's just another, um, you know, you have different tokens that have different capabilities, right? The tokens I described to you earlier um, are known as TRC-10 tokens, right? And and they're very basic tokens that uh, really the focus should be redemption and distribution. Um, It's fast. It's easy. Maybe you have a rewards program. But then you have tokens that interact within smart contracts and the NFT is one of those um, smart contract enabled tokens. And why, why that's important is because you're able to program elements into that token that really, to my knowledge, we've not had opportunities to program such robust um you know, transactions that would be automated and managed, you know, by the blockchain. And so uh, one of the use cases that we see with NFTs is, you know, we've got some fantastic creative social uh, video, um, just some really creative uh, elements that are, that are put out every day by, by our teams across the country, but they're quickly lost in social feeds. Um, you know, I put out a, a, mess, a tweet yesterday or whatnot, said if I gave you 10 seconds to find your favorite moment from greater than 10 days ago, I don't know if you could do it within 10 seconds. And as a fan, if I want to see something that is my favorite, man, I got 10 seconds, 15 seconds. I want that fan to not have any obstacles to find what they want. And searching through a stream, a social stream, is, is we can do better. Um, and I think the NFT allows that because if you really like that moment, then you have that moment shown in your in your token wallet in our fan app. And then you can interact with that moment, watch that moment, and you found it as quickly as you can, you know, tap a button. 
That's just one example, though. Another example that we're looking at, and we will most likely pilot this this semester, is NFTs as promotional giveaways. So instead of going to a game and getting a T-shirt, what if we were able to airdrop, you know, 250 uh, tokens, uh, NFT moments, um, to the first 250 fans instead of a T-shirt, and now you have that moment in your wallet in your fan app you're able to interact with it because you came to that game you got that specific moment whereas if you do t-shirts you may have that same t-shirt given out for three different games until you run out of your inventory right um so it allows for you to have an experience with your fans the way that you want to guide that experience that night um and then there's certainly the revenue generating the pieces, which we can talk about if you like, that um, there, there are earnings at scale uh, that will have implications uh, even greater than as we sit here today that we know um, for, you know, for, for creating revenue for uh, creatives uh, as well as athletes, as well as, um, you know, artists. Uh, so there's just so much, so much that we can, we can do. And there are a lot of people doing some really good stuff right now in this space. Wow. Yeah, no, I love the, and it's a combination, really, the power of NFTs are in the blockchain technology, right? It's the ability to confirm what it is and its value. And when you think about like trading cards, for example, you know, you can go to like an official, you know, authenticator, right? And you can say, is this an official card? But to be able to, to have immediate access to sort of an official, you know, sort of note to say, this is the official NFT. This is the, the one and only, I think is very powerful, like you're talking about. But, and then you also write from a social media and Google standpoint, you know, if I wanted to see a picture of the Taj Mahal, right? I could go Google Taj Mahal, but to have like an official image of it and to say, this is the one and only, it, it, it's kind of a cool thing to do. Um, you know, I guess looking forward, maybe Wally, let's talk a little bit about like, the monetization aspect that you were mentioning sure, sure, and, and what that looks like, particularly like in the name, image and likeness space, but then also, you know, sort of like the broader question, which has been put forth by so many economists and, and everybody else is, you know, is this NFT thing here to stay or is it something that we're going to kind of see go by the wayside? Sure. No. I, so and you mentioned it in the in your previous statement about having an authenticated image of the Taj Mahal. I mean, first and foremost, um, I'm a believer that the next step for NFTs, specifically in the collegiate uh, athletics market, and I will also tell you one of the markets that is is being is not getting enough attention at the moment is the high school and new sports market. I've already had three different uh, families reach out. For, for NFTs to be minted. Um, one of them is a high school, uh, you know, athlete. And then two of them are, are U12, I think they are. So the, the deal is this, is you've got to be able to have a curated marketplace. I'm a big believer in this. And, and, and right now you have some really fantastic open marketplaces. And then I'm not going to, you know, call any of them by name because they all do their thing. But 
from my standpoint, again, if brand management is the most important thing, what I cannot have is I cannot have a fan who is going to look for athletic content, go to an open marketplace and come across peripheral content that maybe they shouldn't be experiencing because of their age or their preferences or whatnot, right? And so for me, if we're going to do this, it needs to be a curated marketplace. Um, the second thing is, uh, you know, we've got to figure out a licensing platform. And I know those conversations are, are ongoing right now. And, you know, as an institutional fundraiser, like the one we did, uh, you know, does that have to be licensed by an external third party? I, I don't know. Uh, some people would probably say no. Um, however, if we took a different approach and it was pure revenue generation and maybe we're selling NFTs, the same way another company sells t-shirts, right? Well, then certainly that would need to be a license by a third party uh, aggregator, if you will. So um, I think we've got we've to figure out those solutions. Um, I think we've got to really make sure we get the curated marketplace right uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, and then, you know, from there, once we get those things ironed out, and I will tell you, I think that's going to happen sooner rather than later. I think that you're going to see, um, you know, NBA uh, Top Shop, uh, that level of service, which is fantastic. Uh, it's a great model. Um, I will tell you that that, that is a great inspiration um, to, to the next round of products that are released, uh, including ours. Um, but, you know, that's, that's a closed marketplace, right? That is, that is NBA, that is branded. You know, then you have your entire other end of the spectrum, which is totally open. There's going to be something in between that has to, to, to be, you know, viable. Um, and there are a lot of smart people out there to do that. So I think both of those things will happen sooner rather than later. And then you can get into some really interesting layered conversations on, you know, payment splitter tools and extensions to smart contracts where now you can automate um you know, uh, annual royalties or royalties in the secondary marketplace every time that item is sold and resold, uh, you know, to benefit perhaps artists, but also maybe it's an internal athletic department creatives who are, who are really creating the content that is driving that institution's NFT ecosystem. Is there a way to incentivize them with that, with that split? And then, of course, you have your NIL conversations where, you know, should should the athlete who who does the dunk or the athlete who catches the touchdown pass or scores the goal, um, you know, should they be in a position to have automatic, you know, 2% of every time that item is resold? And those are going to be great debates for sure. Yeah. No, and you know, Wally, I've got so much respect for you and your guys' program and what you're doing. You know, being you mentioned it earlier, being an independent school is so difficult in itself, right? And going out and trying new things, doing doing different things. And I love that, um, you know, conferences that are not part of, let's say, the Power Five get get the, these huge highlights. And albeit it's only once a year, but it's nice to sort of to to have you know, the school sort of highlighted and you guys are doing some really cool things. And, and it's really, I think kind of where the marketplace is heading. Right. I mean, that's if right. You look at, if you look at, like I did an article two weeks ago talking about the overtime elite league and having 16, 17, 18 year olds 
from high school, avoid playing high school sports, still obviously getting an education, but then playing in like a private league and, and sort of having money from it. And if, if, you know, sort of kid actors can do it, why can't kid athletes do it? You know, mm-hmm. and of course, mm-hmm. in California, they have these things called Coogan accounts where you basically, um, you know, you, the parents have to put away the money in a, in a trust and save the money for the children. Uh, so it, there's ways to do it. And then, of course, absolutely. You know, if there's ways like if you look at like the professional pathways program with the G League and this conversation on NIL and the Alston case, I mean, you are so right, Wally, and you're ahead of the pack. And um, I just love what you're doing. And I just did all the praise in the world for, for, for what you guys got going on there. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, we, we don't have all the answers, but I will tell you that, you know, we're pushing, we're pushing the tech forward. We're taking a fan centric approach to this to reduce the friction, um, you know, that is currently in the, in the onboarding process, um, you know, and, and so I think we have some really good solutions for that, but uh, I tell you what, the, the other example I'll give you. So Abilene Christian, right. ACU upset um, UT, right. Um, so a month after March Madness ends, on a national scale, that game may be talked about very little, right? But within Abilene Christian's uh, ecosystem, within their fan group, within that community, that game will be celebrated, not just talked about, celebrated for the next 20 years under the current licensing you know components uh, or i guess structure is a better word you know acu is not going to be able to capitalize that because all all those rights are owned by the ncaa and so does does the nft allow for an ability for institutions to write this into game guarantees in the future. You know, Hey, if I'm going to go play a power five school in a non-conference game, can I include in the game guarantee? I want to have rights to your digital production so that I can create NFTs. You know, we're not going to replicate the broadcast, but we are going to want rights to create NFT moments. Um, I think those are all the things that we got to shake out and work through because there's opportunities there uh, for everyone to realize uh, revenue. I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, it's always funny, you know, the, what's the, what's the old quote? Um, necessity is the mother of all invention and, hey. you know, right. And as an independent and I get it, cause I'm, I'm a, I, you know, I started my own business. I get it. I'm not a part of a big con- you know, conglomerate or anything. And you, you have to find ways to, to push things forward. And it's often, absolutely. It's often your ideas, uh, sort of as a as a not a big five conference or a big sort of top one hundred law firm that you're you have to find ways to to kind of push things forward and those those bigger companies end up following your lead. So again, I just applaud what you guys are doing and I'll look forward to appreciate it seeing some additional NFTs come out from uh, from Stephen F. Austin. There will be more. That's right. I mean, I think the way it was received, um, you know, our fans are asking great questions. They're ready for an app to inter- interact with. And like I said, the fan block app itself is going to be, we're, we're days away from that. And that will allow people to really see how they can actually interact with NFTs in a, in a fan branded experience. So we'll see where it goes, Jeremy, but it's, uh, it's been good so far. 
No, well, thanks, Wally. You know, I, I appreciate your time and, um, you know, I know you're a busy man and, and I really just loved the conversation and I'm sure the listeners will feel the same way. And, um, again, just, just, uh, just, just thanks again. So to all the listeners out there, appreciate you listening in. Uh, this has been Wally, uh, Crittenden, who is the, uh, associate, uh, director for, um, uh, for business development at Stephen F. Austin university in Nacogdoches, Texas. Hopefully I got both of those right, Wally. <laughs> but, we get, uh, we get in there, man. Keep going. <laughs> all right. All right. Hey, the more we do these, I'm going to get those names correct. All right. <laughs> no, that's right. No, we'll definitely do it again. All right. Well, thanks again, Wally. I look forward to, uh, to being with you soon. Excellent. Thanks, Jeremy. Have a good day. You too. make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at Canon.com to receive 50% off your first pair. Again, that's CANONCAST15 on Canon.com. Canaan, clearly better. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.